Well, I'm so happy to see you today and glad to welcome those who are worshiping with us online. We're always glad to have all of you in the house, and I hope that you've shown your dental work to other people today. Have you done that? Well, if you haven't, before you leave, make sure and make that happen, okay? Now listen, before we get started into this series, I want to tell you about something that happened recently. Our refrigerator went out, and so we had to have it repaired. It needed a thermostat. The guy came out. He had to make several trips. We had to get the parts. It was back and forth. We had to take all the stuff out of the refrigerator and the freezer. We had to bring it down here to the church and put it in there in the kitchen so it would be kept there. And you know, I was just praying that it would still be there when I got back. Because I know you people, you know? And I could see you in there throwing back my bottle of ketchup right there and going for it. But, you know, it was there when I got through. Now, it took us some time to get all this taken, you know, to take place. And so Laura was crushed because she couldn't cook. We had to eat out the whole time. And so you can pray for her. She's devastated, okay? Anyway, the guy came. He came several times. He had to do this and that. We finally got all the right parts. We finally got it all put together. Now I'm a refrigerator repairman. I know everything there is to know about it because he came so much to my house. We talked about it, and then at the end he said to me, he said this, I am not making it up. He spoke to me. He looked into my eyes, and he said, Preacher, if you ever retire and you need a job, you'd make a great bartender. Now, how would he know, okay? Well, because he is a bartender, and when he told me that they wouldn't, they'd have to order the parts and it wouldn't be here till Friday night, and I said, so you'll be here first thing Saturday morning to fix it. He said, no, we're not open on Saturday, and besides, I have to go to my other job. And I said, what is your other job? And he said, bartending. And I said, they're not going to be drinking that early in the morning. Come on today. You can get there. You'll have plenty of time. It didn't work out. But anyway, he figured it out. And you know what he said? He said, I can teach a monkey to mix a drink, but not everybody can talk to people. Did you know I can talk to people? Have you, are you familiar with this? See, there, even my refrigerator repairman, he thinks I can talk to people. I'm not sure if you think I can talk to people, but, but he does. Okay. So his name's William. So I told him he might make the sermon. So there you go, William. I hope you're watching. All right. If you need any advice about how to fix that next one, call me. I'll be glad to help you. Now, we're going to start this new series today about Joseph, and it is dream to destiny. That's what we're talking about. And you're going to see how both of those words are important. When Joseph was 17 years old, he had a dream, a God-given dream. And when he was 30, he stepped into his destiny. Now, I want you to think about the character tests that you and I have to take as we go through life because God gives us a dream that we're supposed to follow, but we're go, we go through that dream and go through character tests in order to fulfill our destiny. And today we're going to be talking about the pride test. The pride, that's our first message because he went out and he bragged about his dream. You see, you're going to be taking tests for the rest of your life because every time you get a promotion, every time you get a compliment, every time you receive an award, then you're going to have to face the pride test. And if you're still breathing, look beside you and see, are they still breathing? Then you have not completed your destiny for this life. God still has more on earth for you to do. Now let's look at the book of Genesis together. And that's where we're going to start today. Genesis 37. Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. 
Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now, God is going to give you a dream, but it's not going to be your destiny. His dream was something he received first, and later, through these tests that he went through, these character tests, he would receive his destiny. Now, who are Bilhah and Zilpah? Well, I'm glad you asked, because I'm going to tell you, okay? Bilhah is Rachel's maid. Zilpah is Leah's maid. We're going to talk about who those people are, just to give you a little background. And if you've forgotten, Jacob was a manipulator. So God sent him to Laban, the master manipulator, to learn. Okay, so he falls in love, Jacob does, with Rachel. She is the daughter of Laban. And he works seven years for Laban to get her to be his wife. Now, back then, they didn't have marriage ceremonies. What they did was, they, when you consummated the marriage, then you were married. That's the way it worked. So Laban, Rachel's father, gets Jacob drunk on his wedding night. Then Jacob goes into the tent, and he slips Leah in there because Jacob wanted to marry Rachel. But her older sister Leah is the one that his father, her father, wanted him to marry first. And so he consummates the marriage with Leah, but he doesn't realize what's happened. And the next morning, Jacob wakes up and he sees that Leah is there with him. And he's obviously frustrated and he says to his father-in-law, what did you do? He said, it's our custom in our country for the first daughter, the first child, to get married first. So you have to marry Leah first. And he said, but if you'll work seven more years for me, see, I told you he was a master manipulator. He got 14 years of free labor. If you'll work seven more years for me, you can have Rachel as well. So Leah has six sons, but Rachel is unsuccessful at becoming pregnant. So she gives her maid to Jacob and they have two sons. Leah gets jealous because she can no longer have children, so she gives her maid to Jacob, and they have two sons. And then God opens Rachel's womb, and they have two sons. Now, here's what I want you to understand. The 12 tribes of Israel have four different mothers. Are you with me? So the first one, Leah, had six children. Bilhah had two, Zilpah had two, and Rachel had two. Are you caught up now? Okay. So Rachel's, Rachel's firstborn was Joseph, and he was the son who came to Jacob in his old age. And then later, Rachel has another son named Benjamin. But sadly, Benjamin's fine, but Rachel dies in childbirth. So Joseph and his brother Benjamin, they come to their father late in, when he's late in life, and he's so grateful for them. Plus, they remind him of Rachel, and he's brokenhearted that he has lost her. So we go on in the scripture and it says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all of his children because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. 
But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all of his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. I want you to notice it does not say that they disliked him a little bit. It says they hated him, okay? Now Joseph had a dream. And he told his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were binding the sheaves in the field. Now, let me just pause right there for a moment. Sheaves, what are sheaves? Okay, they're stalks of grain that are bundled together, and, and then they're out in the field, okay? And you collect them. And, and what he's saying is, in my dream, I had some and you had some. And, and there they were. Then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaf stood up all around and bowed down to my sheaf. Okay, now here's what he's doing. He's talking to his older, stronger, bigger brothers who hate him. And what he's telling them is they're going to bow down to him. Do you see the lack of wisdom in expressing this dream right here? So it goes on in the scripture and it says, His brother said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and his words. Pay attention to that. In other words, he talked about himself. And then it goes on and it says, Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream, and this time the sun and moon, the sun and moon represented his father and his mother, and the 11 stars bowed down to me. The 11 stars represented his 11 brothers. So he told this to his father and his brothers, and, and they rebuked him. His father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come and bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept this matter in his mind. And then we're going to skip ahead a bit here. And it says, Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before the Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Now, he was 17 when this first part was going on, this dream, these two dreams that he got that he shared, okay? That's what happened first. Now, here's what I want you to see. He's 17, and then he's 30. Some test came when he was 17. Some test came when he was 30. Some test came when he was 45 later on. Some test came later. You and I will have tests throughout our life, character tests that will help us build a foundation for our destiny. You will never have a larger destiny than your character. Never. So it's important that your character is strong. I think that I understand Joseph somewhat because as a young man, I was naive when it came to my ministry and my peers. Since I was happy for my peers when things went well for them, I thought they would be happy for me when things went well for me. I was wrong. Fortunately, I had a district superintendent who was very wise, and he gave me some great advice. He said, you have been appointed to a new church, and all your peers wanted to go there, and they're jealous of you because of your appointment. So what I want you to do is this. When they ask you how things are going, I want you to say, fine, fine. 
And then I want you to ask them, how are things going with you? Essentially, he was saying, stop talking and listen to them. They don't really want to hear how things are going with you, especially if it's going well. So don't tell them. Just listen and follow my advice. It was great advice, and I took it. I had always celebrated other people's success. I mistakenly thought they would celebrate mine. There were a few guys who genuinely celebrated with me, but they were the exception. In my mind, I was celebrating what God was doing in the church that I served. Because 1 Corinthians 3.6 tells us this, Paul planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the growth. Since God was responsible for the victory, since he was the one who was making it happen, I thought that everyone would just join me in celebrating what he was doing. But most of my peers didn't see it that way. In their minds, this is what they thought. Why isn't God blessing the church we serve like he's blessing the church that Joe serves? I mean, think about it. If God gives you a God-given dream, aren't you excited about that? Isn't it something that you want to share with other people? It's just natural. But Joseph learned the hard way that other people don't always see things the way you do. And that's a sad but a true fact to learn. So here's the first point I want us to see. God has a dream for you. Look at the person next to you and say, God has a dream for you. Every person in here, God has a dream. In Jeremiah, it tells us this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. God has a dream and a plan for everyone. You can count on it. And if you want to know God's dream, then you have to find out God's dream from him. Because God's dream for you is bigger and better than anything you can dream for yourself. Do you know why? Because God is bigger and better than you are. Thank God we've got a God who's greater than we are. That's the kind of God you want to have, the only true God. And so he has got so much more than we can even imagine. If we'll just get out of his way, he will do what he wants to do. He can do it. And sometimes he will do it through us. So God has a plan for every person. And Joseph's dream was from God. And God gave him his dreams. But he gave him these dreams to prepare for his destiny. God is a gracious God. And he will never let us fail a test ultimately. You know why? Because he wants us to pass. So he just keeps giving it to us and giving it to us and giving it to us until we catch on and pass. And some of us are slow learners and we don't have to learn everything the hard way. We can just say, Lord, just go ahead and teach me. I'm ready. Just let me get this one the first time, okay? You know, when I was in school, I loved to take open book tests, didn't you? Because you could look in the book and find an answer. Preferably, I like to have someone smart sitting next to me and have an open mouth test if they would let me. And let that person tell me what the answers are so I could get them right. Amen? Wouldn't you want to have that? And you know, I wish that I'd had Laura alongside of me earlier in life because Laura is smart. 
Laura made straight A's. She made good grades. I mean, you can tell she's smart. She married me. Okay. Just, just wanted to see if you were listening. All right. So here's the deal. What we want to do is we want to pass that test that God has for us. And we, when we pass it, we move forward. Now, here's what I think. This is the pride test. God gives him a dream, and, and he's telling you, God has a dream for you, but how can you know God's dream? Well, it tells you in Scripture, Moses here in Numbers 12, it says this, Then he said, Hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself unknown to him in a vision. Known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in my house. I speak with him face to face, even plainly. I speak to others through dreams and visions, but I speak to Moses face to face. Listen, Jesus wants to talk to you and me face to face. He wants to get to know you. He wants you to get to know him. And when we get to know him, we get to know God. And when we know God, we can learn God's dream for us because he's the one who knows what it is. The psalmist says this, He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. Now, to the children of Israel, what did he do? They knew what God was like. But Moses knew why he did what he did. The acts of Mo, the acts of God, Moses knew his ways. He knew his person. If you want God to reveal and fulfill his dream, he is the one who can give it to you. Second, don't brag about it. Now, this is how you pass the pride test. Joseph's dream was from God, but his bragging about it was not from God. Have you ever wondered why God gave him a dream? By the way, I don't know if you've noticed this, but the dream was not his destiny. There are two different things. His destiny was to feed the multitudes of people. That's what's going to happen ultimately. That's his destiny, but he's got a ways to go before he's going to get there. When you're talking to a 17-year-old, though, the idea of him feeding the multitudes may not be that exciting. But if you can talk to him and say, hey, you know your brothers who hate you, they're all going to bow down to you and tell you how great you are. Now you have his attention. He's ready to listen to that, right? And so he gave him two dreams because God knew that pride was in his heart and he knew that he would brag about it and his bragging would get him thrown in the pit. And that's the test we're going to look at next week, the pit test. Today's the pride test. Next week's the pit test. So please come back and we'll move on. And some of your bragging has gotten you in some pits and some of my bragging has gotten me in some pits too. And God did exactly what he needed to do to work in Joseph's life. Please hear me. The dream is not the same thing as the destiny. The dream gets you started on your character test to prepare you for God's destiny. God knows exactly what kind of dream he needs to give you, and he will get you started on your tests in life. Remember it said his brothers hated him for his dreams and his what? Words. That's right. Pride always talks. Pride. 
It always talks. It has to be heard. Pride interrupts. When you interrupt somebody, you're saying, what I have to say is more important than what you have to say. And that's what you think. Now, let me just show you. How can you know if you have pride in your heart? If you and I were talking to each other back and forth, how could I know that? Well, let me share a scripture with you from Matthew. It says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and they defile a man. Now, I don't know everything that's in your heart, but if you and I talk for a period of time, I could tell you if you have pride in your heart, because if you talk about it, then I know that it's there. I don't know everything else, but if you spend an hour bragging on things, even I can catch on. I think there's a little pride involved here, right? And how does that get there? Joseph gets this dream and he brags about it. You say, well, pastor, I know that I have a problem bragging sometimes. How can I stop it? Well, for some of you to stop bragging, you're going to have to stop talking because it's become a way of life for you. It's just part of who you are. But you will never fulfill your destiny in life if you can't pass the pride test. Number three, deal with the root of pride. Now, the root of pride is insecurity, inferiority, inadequacy. If you ever hear a person bragging all the time, it really means they're insecure. They're trying to build themselves up because they don't feel very built up on the inside. And so they're trying to address that. They're trying to understand what it is that they need to do to be more than they are. And what he says is we have to deal with the root of the problem. We need to try to deal with that because it produces pride. Now, the way that you deal with pride is you become more confident in the Lord than in yourself. It's not what I can do. I can't do anything by myself. But with God, all things are possible. So you know what? I'm going to have confidence in God, and God's going to be victorious. And if he chooses to use me to accomplish his purposes, so be it. I'll be grateful for that to occur, right? And so that's the way we look at it and understand and we stay there. Now, <clears throat> what you can do is if you get a promotion, then God will give you the wisdom to know how to do that new job that he's put you in because he's not going to put you in a job to fail. And you have to stay on your face before God. We've got to come to a place where we deal with the root because here's the problem. What we do is we deal with the fruit of pride, but we don't deal with the root of pride. To deal with the root of pride, we have to humble ourselves. We, how do you humble yourself? You go into the presence of the creator of the universe, and you spend time on your knees before him. And when you do that, you won't feel so big anymore. You'll feel much smaller and pretty much insignificant in comparison to God. In his presence, we feel very small. If you start getting too big for your britches, it means you hadn't been spending time with God because you haven't been in his presence. Now, let me just share this closing story with you so you can understand, okay? There was a, uh, it's about pride and insecurity. It's an analogy. There was a prince who was looking out the window one day and he sees a beautiful woman and he says, I've got to meet this woman. 
And the prince could have just called the woman to himself. He could have just made her marry him, but he didn't want to do that. He wanted to meet her and spend time with her and get to know her. And he wanted her to fall in love with him. And he wanted to fall in love with her. And so what did he do? It's an analogy. It's, it's like the story of Jesus leaving heaven, coming to earth to claim his bride. So this prince, he, he disguises himself. He, he maybe grows a beard. He puts on ragged clothes. He goes out into the community. He tells his parents what he's going to do. He takes a normal job, and he meets this woman. And over the course of the months, uh, in a few years, he falls in love with her, and she falls in love with him. And he proposes, and she accepts. And then he says, I need you to know that really I'm a prince. And they get married. And then he succeeds his father, and now he becomes the king, and she becomes the queen. How does she deal with her insecurity, knowing that she was born a pauper and has no royal blood? She gets rid of her insecurity because she knows that she's the queen. And she knows who her husband is, the king. And she knows that her husband loves her. But how does she deal with pride? She never forgets where she came from. See, when we know that we are a child of the king, it takes care of all our insecurities. It takes care of all our inferiorities. It takes care of all our inadequacies. If I'm a child of the king and he calls me to do something, I know that he's going to do it. And so I never get prideful about it because I know that I was adopted I'm a child of the king, but I wasn't born into a royal family. I was actually born in the gutter. And he came and got me. And he rescued me. And he saved me. You have to pass the pride test if you're going to fulfill God's destiny for your life. And so as a young man named Joseph, I was ambitious. And there were things that I wanted to accomplish. And I wanted to make sure my peers saw that and saw what I was doing. And God used infertility in my life to help me with that. And through that, something inside of me died, and he did that. And something better was reborn. And God did that. And he said, you know what? You don't have to spend the rest of your life trying to impress people. What you need to do is give the rest of your life to trying to influence people. It's not about you. It's about them. And through that, things changed. My perspective changed. My goals changed. My heart changed for the better. God did that. Joseph, the Lord will add. He did it for Joseph, and he did it for this Joseph too. And if you want to know what God's destiny is for your life. All you have to do is get still and get before him, get in his presence, talk to him, and then just stop and listen. And he'll tell you what it is. He'll let you know. He'll give you dreams. He'll give you desires. He's got a plan for your life. But realize that's so that you might pass the test in order to accomplish his purposes for your life so that ultimately you will fulfill the destiny he has for you. Let's pray together.
Father, we thank you for Joseph. We thank you for his example. We pray that not only would we hear about it and listen, but we would embrace it. Lord, help us to take to heart that you have dreams for us. How grateful we are that you do. But Lord, those dreams are there so that we might go through some character tests in order to fulfill your destiny for our lives. Your destiny might be different from ours, but your destiny is always better. And so we surrender today. And we pray that you would teach us and that we won't learn the hard way, that we'll catch on the first time, and that you'll help us be the people that you've called us to be. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.